Radio Drome. Radio Drome episode 35, attempt number two. Episode 35 and a half. <laughs> if it, hey, there'll be two episode 35s if I can ever find our first attempt at this. Exactly. We should probably fill the audience in on what the hell we're talking about. Tonight <laughs> is Saturday. On Thursday, the normal night we record these shows, we recorded an entire episode 35. And then I clicked save, the same way I always do, and nothing happened. You lost it? I lost it! It somehow got lost in the static. Plug, plug. Well, if uh, people have listened to the first couple episodes of uh, Radio Drum when Jared and I first started doing it, they, they know what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Right, so maybe this thing is still somewhere in my hard drive, but I've done everything I can think of to find it. I even went and turned on the best sensitivity in the Windows Media Player to search for anything audio related and it didn't find anything on my computer that would relate to this so i don't know what the hell my computer did to eat that so this is episode 35 cross my fingers for real guess what guys oh I mean although you already know this because we already recorded this this is our first episode with a sponsor really short this this is like it was news to me just now that we've actually done this episode before <laughs> you, you got a couple in you tonight don't you brad <laughs> But no, we have a sponsor now. Sponsor! AdamandEve.com This isn't the 70s. Oh, well, actually, I went to their website. They do have some 70s DVDs. They got the Debbie Does series and things like that. They got some Johnny Wad movies, too. I just got Devil and Miss Jones on a big box earlier. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. Yeah, I went to... Uh, there's, there's a couple of... There, there's a couple of adult VH, adult video places here in town. One of them is like barely has anything in it, and, and the movies are just DVD. But there's another one that's got a lot of VHS, and they do have a, a section on their wall for uh, the classics, uh, which they honestly use the term classic pretty loosely. If um, it's old, it makes it a classic. Yeah, if it's yeah, if, if it's like if it's before like 1990, they consider it a classic. Uh, but anyway, they had quite a. They did. They didn't have. They didn't have like W does Dallas or like the Jade Pussycat or anything like that. I don't even think they had Deep Throat, but I've already got Deep Throat. But they did have several copies of The Devil and Miss Jones, so I grabbed. I grabbed one of those because I I really do like that movie a lot. If they got another one, grab one for me. Yeah, they they had like three. Yeah, g- grab one for me. I'll pay you back for it. Yeah, no problem. We got to get our pitch out. So, adamandeve.com. If you if you guys go there, you use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, you will get 50% off a single item, free shipping, three free DVDs, and a free special mystery gift that even I don't know what is. And the mystery gift seems to be randomized, because I've ordered from them before, and so has Scott from Lost in the Static, and we got different mystery gifts, so... If you use the promo code 80sDan, you will get a... <laughs> 80s Dan is not being sponsored by AdamandEve.com. If you use the promo code 80s Dan, you get a Nina Hartley sex doll. <laughs> so what I'm good saying, and good. so what I'm saying to our fans is, go to AdamandEve.com, get a little, you know, butt toy or a little flashlight or something like that, and make sure you use the promo code Drome. And, <laughs> Well, because we don't get credit for it if they don't use our promo code, and they don't get the 50% off and the free I've, shipping and I've all that. A, I've, you laugh, but I have seen a couple of comments, and they obviously have something up their ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh! I, my hat is off to you, Mr. Jones. 
What? My hat is off to you, Mr. Jones. Snap! That was a great Up one. <laughs> all, in, all in good fun. Uh, I, I, think, I think you just got Douchey McNickpick. Yeah, I think you just nailed him right there. <laughs> Speaking of that, and since AdamandEve.com is our sponsor, I might as well be a complete and utter whore here. Okay, you guys are going to Horror Hound in November, correct? Well, I've sent the contract. Uh, I'm waiting to hear. I'm waiting to hear back from them. But yeah, I, mean, I will hope, hope. Hopefully, we'll we'll be able. Hopefully, we'll be able to to uh, go and have a have a have a table again. But I'm wait, I'm waiting to hear back from them. We, Hank Carlson, and from Autumn Night Studios, and myself. We are going to Horror Hound as press. We have the press passes. We have our equipment. This is where I need help. We don't have plane tickets. So, does anyone want to help us out with the plane tickets from Green Bay to Cincinnati? Does anyone have a crop duster? We could hitch a ride. <laughs> I'm thinking more of donating money. <laughs> oh, well, that's not a zany. No, it's not. But we've already got the press passes. <laughs> Hank Hank knows some of these people. I mean, he's worked with Nicotero and Simit Savini. He's got their home phone numbers in that. So he can definitely get us lots of great interviews, plus the press passes give us all access so we can give a bunch of great interviews to you people. You guys will have a bunch of video, a bunch of audio. We'll hopefully be having some fun. If Brad and Jared actually are there, the three of us will actually be in the same room for the first time ever, and yeah. that should that should create some interesting chaos, I think. <laughs> so help send us to Horror Hound is basically what I'm saying. If you guys can help out, if we'll even bring you back something tangible. We'll try and grab, if you, if you donate, we'll try and grab some swag or something like that, or I'll talk Hank into giving you something from his shop, some little knick-knack special effects thing he's got lying around from back when he worked on, like, a Friday the 13th movie or something like that. You know, help donate. And here's the other cool thing, partially because the universe hates me. Horror Hound is on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, November 11th through the 13th. November 12th in Green Bay is a live performance of Cinematic Titanic, which I'm also trying to get press passes for. So what I'd like to do is go to Horror Hound on Friday, get everything we can, fly back to Green Bay, and then get you guys a bunch of interviews with Joel and all them guys at the live Cinematic Titanic event in Green Bay. So... If you guys send us to Horror Hound, if you guys help us out, there'll be a whole lot of cool stuff that'll be going up on, on my site, on Brad's site, and in these shows. So what I'm saying is, I'm being a total whore. I'm willing to swallow for this. That's how we much of a whore a I'm being. Time. I don't know about long time. I'll, I'll love you good, but I don't know how long it'll be. <laughs> Just email me at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Or go to my website, 1201beyond.blogspot.com, and there's a donate link up in the top corner. And just, just remember, that's josh at twopumpchump.com. <laughs> hey, I usually get six or seven. Don't you dare put me down for two. <laughs> Damn you, Jared. You know what? From this point forward, you're the bottom in this show. Ah, but a, but a power bottom. <laughs> As I told Brad the first time we recorded this, I'm actually a little disturbed that I actually know what that means. <laughs> yes, it generates all the power. <laughs> so so to, to finish up the whoring, adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, and... Help send us to Horror Hound. Now that we're done whoring, unless you guys got something you want to horror quick before I was we actually, actually going move on. To say, and remember, next time you have a butt plug in your butt, you can think of Radiodrome. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you, you know what that made me think of? How I learned to stop clenching or... I started thinking about how I learned to stop clenching and love the plug. Or, sorry, Dr. Butt Love, or how I learned to stop clenching and love the plug. <laughs> I was going to say, we, sh- we should now just get a bunch of butt plugs and, like, if we have a Radiodrome logo, put it, you know, put it on the, <laughs> on the butt plug. <laughs> Do we really have that big of an either gay audience or experimental audience to really warrant that, though? I'm just saying, you know, our our sponsor put is the, Adam and Eve for some reason. Soft, put the softly from cable logo on it. <laughs> well, and technically it's not Adam and Eve. It's adamandeve.com is our sponsor. But the people have to use the promo code or we don't get credit for it. So you guys have to use Drome, and you don't get the extras if you don't. Now that we're done being whores, what's going on with you guys this week? Uh, nothing too much. We found some episodes of... Uh, uh, so I was hanging out over at Brian and Sarah's earlier, and we found some episodes of some new series that Steven Seagal is is like shopping or shopping around. Uh, like a reality series or a scripted? No, 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 no. It's not a reality series. It's called like True Justice or something like that, or I think that's what it's called. Um, and no, it's it's not a reality series. It's it's like a cop show or something. I, I think I, I I don't know. They've got they've got it over at Brian and Sarah's, but. It's at least like 13 episodes long, and Seagal is trying to shop it around to different networks to see if one of them will pick it up. I don't think anyone has picked it up, but it is it is easy to find. Is it just like something you torrented? I don't know where he got it. It was uh, Brian's the one that Brian's the one who got it. I'll have to email him and ask him because. I'm a big Seagal fan. I'm I'm interested in that. Me too. That's what. Yeah. That's what. That's why I'm interested in checking this out. For all the bluster about Seagal, did you ever watch Steven Seagal Lawman? Yeah, I did. Did you ever? Did you see the him sh- him lighting the the match with his bullet? Yeah. That's pretty damn impressive. Mm-hmm. I don't care I, I who was, you are. That's impressive. And I was watching Seagal Lawman, mm-hmm. and he it it it. it, it it was done. It was shot. It was shot so well. It's like, wow, he's still, he's still really fast. This guy's still really got some moves. And like, Steven Seagal Lawman did a much better job of showing what he's capable of doing than many of his recent direct-to-video movies that are, you know, all sped up, all you know, body obvious body doubles, obvious, obvious voice body doubles. doubles. Well, I think Steven Seagal lawman show like well, he's this, this is still a fast freaking dude. Well, I think what Seagal needs to do is he literally needs to just drop his ego. If he drops his ego and he finds directors like Rodriguez that are really willing to work with him, I think yeah. he could make another Out for Justice or Marked for Death and probably get it picked up theatrically. But it's his ego, and he keeps pricing himself out of well you're not a name anymore and he still seems to think he's a name he has to drop his whole ego and I think he could get a real career again it's a shame the last 30 movies he's done haven't humbled him you yeah how can that not I mean did did his really good turn in machete kind of boost his ego back up again I don't know I mean he was I thought he was great in machete I thought I think he's got one of the best death scenes I'd seen in years yeah exactly you know, I'd actually really like to see him come back in Machete too, especially because of the whole Grindhouse thing. I hope they don't even explain it. Yeah, that he's just there again as as Torres. <laughs> like all the times that, like all the times Ilsa came back. 
Right, she gets killed in every movie, yet she's still playing Ilsa. She was even Ilsa in the movie where the, it wasn't an actual Ilsa movie. Yeah, in Greta, the Wicked Warden. Yeah, she wasn't even <laughs> Ilsa in that, but she was still Ilsa. Hey, real quickly, going back to uh, Van Damme in that um, in that sequence where he lit the... Um, Seagal. Seagal, you oh, mean? Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, Seagal, uh, going back to Seagal in that sequence where he lit the lit the match with the bullet, they did that on uh, Mythbusters. Yeah, if you could light a match with yeah. a bullet. Yeah, they, uh, so so it is real. You can do that. Oh, yeah, it just was just impressive because he'd become such a joke at that point that you kind of went... Damn, he still has it. But they also, uh, but they also said on the episode that there's no way it's humanly possible to aim the gun right at that match. Well, you know? Seagal, like, correct, correct me about this, but Seagal, did he actually light it on fire or did he hit the match? I mean, regardless, it's impressive. I, 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 th- I think he ignited. It. I think like the bullet rubbed along the side and it actually ignited. I might be oh, wrong, okay. but I think he actually ignited it. Even if it was just like he just hit the match or something like that, that's still a great shot. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What well what they what they did on MythBusters was they they actually rigged up like a a, a precision basically a- aiming like device a, a tripod for yeah. this gun and you know used lasers to uh, precision aim it shoot it and and sure enough it I, I think on the first shot you know they they were able to light it but just the fact of like aiming a gun with your hand and pointing it at that um, at that um, match is just humanly impossible. I, I, I don't believe that. <laughs> I think I, I, I think I, I think there there are people. Yeah, there are there is there are people that are that damn accurate. I, I, they, they, I think they, they really, really over-exaggerate stuff like that. Like, I, And I like the show, all right, but there are episodes where it's like, oh, like, okay, when they were testing the theory of uh, can you make a person wet the bed if you stick their hand in warm water. I saw that. And it didn't work for it, for the few people that they tried, but they kept waking up. So then at the end of the episode, it was like, myth busted or something like that it's like well okay it didn't work for like a few of you that doesn't mean it won't ever work period yeah they they do call busted a little too fast sometimes uh something else i wanted to talk to you guys about since we were talking about seagal a little bit remember a couple episodes ago we were discussing they just don't make movies like this anymore yeah have you ever seen malibu express the andy yeah. S- andy sedaris film with the, with the two girls, yeah, and, yeah, and he's got the car, and they blow up the helicopter and everything. Yeah, I, I caught that, and because uh, there was more than one of them, right? Wasn't it like a series with the same two girls? Yeah, um, Malibu Express was the most famous. Then they had Hot Ticket to Hawaii, and, I, and there was That's at least it. one more, but I can't remember the title off yeah, the top I of my head. I used to watch those on Cinemax when I was a kid. Oh, those movies were cable staples. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I picked up the DVD for Malibu Express torrent I, I didn't actually pay for it i torrented the dvd and i'm watching this and i'm one of the extras is trailers for all the other andy sedaris films from the 80s and 90s yeah and i'm just watching these and literally going they don't make movies like this anymore andy they need sedaris. to yeah andy sedaris was like was like kind of like to uh to uh skin flicks to like action skin flicks that you'd see on on Cinemax, like what Godfrey Ho was to being like that prototype of that very stereotypical kind of 80s action. Andy Sedaris was very much like that towards 
towards the skin flicks. Like what you think of in your head of what constitutes a you know a soft core action late night Cinemax movie. The stereotype that you think of in your head is very much the Andy Sedaris movie. Well, and I'm actually surprised when I read up on like Malibu Express that that movie had like only a three hundred thousand dollar budget. I mean, it's got Ferraris and all these huge boats, and it's got all these yachts, and there's helicopters exploding, and tons of shootouts, and beautiful, beautiful sweeping camera moves. And I'm like, how in the hell is that only a three hundred thousand dollar movie? That would have cost Michael Bay ten million to do that. Well, I mean, I well, yeah. Um, I mean, I I kind of believe uh, believe it for back then. I mean, you could you could make you could do a lot more with three hundred thousand dollars. I mean, three hundred. However, you put it. I mean, three hundred thousand dollars though is impressive. Is is impressive uh, for for that for that movie. It, it, at the same time, it doesn't really surprise me that that's how much that movie costs. But to counter my own argument here, as I'm watching the trailers on the on the DVD, which are all chronological, once he starts getting into around ninety one, ninety two, ninety three, you start to see the video quality going down. Sure. The acting quality going down. The set pieces yeah. being reduced. He clearly was not getting the money he had yeah. when he was doing like Hot Ticket to Hawaii and Malibu Express. And I think that was when the whole action softcore porn genre started to die. Yeah, I kind of noticed the decline around like about '95 or '96. You know, I'm honestly, like you know, I, I'd be sitting there and I'd be watching those on on, on Cinemax, of course, uh, sometimes on Showtime. But of course, they were always stuff from ninety one, ninety two, ninety three. Right. You know, not saying that there weren't a lot that were made in the mid to late nineties, but the ones that often got the repeat airings would be from the early nineties. I personally highly recommend our listeners go out and pick up Malibu Express. If you've never seen one of these action exploitation movies that Brad and I are always talking about, this is the prototypical eighties action exploitation movie. Yeah, definitely, definitely check that out. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna end up doing. Uh, uh, Hard ticket to Hawaii is one that I've been wanting to do on the snob uh, for a while. I might do that at some point. And I, uh, Malibu Express, you could softly from cable. Well, and, and that's the other thing. I can't, I think I can't remember if it was Rex Reed or Roger Ebert. One of them reviewed Malibu Express and asked really? why his movie theater showed this, since the movie theater doesn't normally carry porn. He said, yeah. this movie is porn. It just doesn't show penetration, and that this is not a movie. This is a porno film. That sounds I, disagree, that, I disagree with that, but... That sounds more like something that, that uh, I'm sorry, that Rex Reed would say. Okay, I couldn't sounds, remember who it was. Because, yeah, I mean, that, that, that sounds more like something Rex Reed would say. I know Roger Ebert has used that kind of argument before about, like, getting upset that a slasher movie is playing at like a theater he used to go to as a kid like I think that's in his Friday the 13th part 2 review but when it comes to uh I've never really seen Roger Ebert get that uppity about porn I mean, he gave a star review to Devil and Miss Jones and uh his <laughs> his complaint about I remember one of his main complaints about Caligula was that it wasn't that it was porn but that it wasn't sexy <laughs> Well, um, look at the. Do you remember the their their famous Silent Night, Deadly Night review? Yeah, that was one of between that review and Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. That was uh, 
one of the main things that inspired me to do my show. For for the listeners who don't know what he did for that one, him and Siskel read the credits, and then they would read the writer and go, shame on you, the director, that- shame on... And they went through the whole credits and just tried to shame them for making Silent Night, Deadly Night. What did, at that point, a, a, a couple of things. One, I remember them talking in that review that, like, uh, that like oh, these people are going to be, you know, upset that their names are out there, blah, blah, blah. Store in the movie is named after one of the producers. I don't think they care. And two, at that point, what did they want out of a slasher movie? Really? Um, okay, okay, well, they give... They give Halloween four stars. They each give Halloween four stars. Call it one of the best movies of the year. Okay, fine. But then after that, no matter what slasher movie came after that, one star, half a star, zero stars, just so forth and so forth and so forth. And then you have something like Silent Night, Deadly Night, which actually devo- which actually devotes a huge amount of time to building up its bad guy, to building up the person who goes crazy. It isn't just a person going around just massacring people. It it actually has a build-up to it. And for them to get so pissed off about Silent Night, Deadly Night, at that point, what did they want? I, I think, you know, and I'm just speculating here, obviously, but I think they wanted the whole slasher movie genre to vanish. Because I know most major film critics hated a slasher movie. It didn't matter if it was good or not. If yeah. if teenagers got stabbed with household implements, that made it a terrible movie. Yeah, but if it was Hall- but if it's Halloween, it's okay. Right, because I, I remember when uh, Harlan Ellison told a story when he he did a, a talk at a juvenile detention center when they found out that he wrote movies. All they were asking him about: Did you write that Friday the Thirteenth Part Three? Did you do that Omen? And every th- single movie that they were interested in was a slasher flick, and that was it. And he said it kind of sickened him. Well, and and um, another thing too. Did you ever see the episode that they did where they devoted the whole time to talking about slasher movies and how sexist they are? I've heard about that one. I actually may have seen it when it first aired. I don't remember it, but I watched that show all the time around that Me era. Too. I, I so I probably with... saw it. I just don't remember the specifics of it. It was just them, just like the whole th- like they were calling the slasher movies like women in danger films, and went on this whole rant about how. You know this this genre of horror is sexist, and why it's sexist, and all that, and that they just hate women. They hate women. All these movies is just about like torturing women. Okay. Well, first of all, first off, ninety ninety percent of the time, it's a woman who survives these things and actually does away with the killer. Um, and men get killed just as much in these movies as the women do. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that they used as an example was was when a stranger calls the original which to, me says that, which to me says they only watched the first 20 minutes of the movie and didn't watch anything after that i love the original when a stranger calls the original when a stranger calls at that first 20 minutes yeah which is great but then after that is a real kind of psychological study on the guy getting out of getting out of the the institution he was at for the crimes of the first 20 minutes of the movie well, I also I remember I can't remember if it was Siskel and Ebert or just Ebert. But have you ever read Ebert's review on I Spit on Your Grave? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, to him, that is the worst film in the in the history of film. I Spit and on Your did. Grave. He hated it more than more than we can ever verbalize. 
And I don't understand that. I mean, is, is it a hard movie to sit through? Yeah, but it's yeah, it kind of supposed to be. Yeah, it's supposed to be. And that movie very much, it is what it is. It is a, it is a rape revenge movie in its biggest form. It's rape and it's revenge. That's and if you don't like it, fine. But it's it's not one of the worst movies ever made. Um, no, it's not even a badly made movie on a technical it's level. It's not. It's actually. I, I was going to say it's actually a pretty well made movie. What what kind of baffles me about that in um, is how he gives that zero stars. Fine, you know everyone's entitled their opinion. Fine, but gives three and a half stars to Last House on the Left. He probably was friends with Wes Craven or Sean Cunningham. <laughs> gives three and a half stars to Last House on the Left. I Spit on Your Grave is a better movie than Last House on the Left. Oh, absolutely. See, I I didn't never really thought the original Last House on the Left was that good. I have not seen the remake. I don't have any the intention to see it, but I didn't the remake's think... better. Really? Because I just... Yeah. The original never did a whole lot for me. You know how... And this is why the remake is... But, like, the original... I, first of all, it didn't bother me that the movie was remade because the original itself is a takeoff of The Virgin Spring. The reason we... I, and I kind of agree with you about Last House of Love. I mean, there are parts of it that I like. I like David Hess in it. I like I like some of the, the soundtrack. It, it's got some good things towards the end, but tone is all over the place in that movie. All over the place. You've got some pretty hard scenes in that movie mixed in with, like this good old boy style comedy that you would see in like a Burt Reynolds Dom DeLuise movie and like other th- like you know the piss yourself scene mixed in with like oh hijinks making a birthday cake and all that like it, it's just that movie is all over the place the remake I actually like it better because it at least has a consistent tone it knew it, what it wanted to be yeah, it doesn't have the bumbling cops in it. It doesn't have the comedy. It's not a perfect movie, but it's... I enjoyed it. It's a decent revenge movie. It, and at least it had... Whether you like the remake or not, at least it's so much better in tone than the original one was. And I like... And I, I, I thought the remake was pretty good. Well, I, I wanted to ask you. I just caught a movie the other night. I had forgotten I hadn't seen this movie since, like, 91. Have you ever yeah. seen any of the best of the best movies? I saw the first one with Eric Roberts uh, when I was a ki- when I was a kid. He's in the second one as well. I-, I don't know. I have never seen three or four, so I don't know if he's still in those. Isn't there like seven? I only remember seeing up to four on the on the video shelf. Maybe there's more after that. I'm not sure. But I'm watching part two, and uh, keep in mind I liked the first one. I think part yeah. two is a better movie for our kind of people. Because it's it's about underground pit yeah. fighting and getting revenge and things like that. Whereas the first one oh, was sure. was sort of a serious movie, yeah. sort of. This one, Eric Roberts was ripped, man. Oh yeah! Holy crap! Did he, I mean he was, and it was clear he was doing most of his own fighting in that movie. Oh yeah! You could Eric see his Roberts. face. Eric Roberts was ripped back in the day, man. And even like nowadays, I mean he's not. He's not fat. I mean, you can you can tell that he could probably still well snap let's, your neck off. Well, Brad, the Eric Roberts I worked with on Project Solitude. I mean, oh, he, was he bigger? Yeah, he, he was a little bit bigger. He he was a, just still a really nice guy, but he was a little bit bigger than he had been in years previous. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh, okay. When I see him in recent stuff, 
I mean, he's not in like shape like he was in Best of the Best, but he doesn't look like he's in terrible shape. Well, no, I I, I wouldn't say he's in terrible shape. He just was not in. He, he wasn't Steven Seagal big. Oh, he just sure, was sure. not the the best of the best. Rude Awakening, Eric Roberts. Rude, <laughs> wow. I haven't thought of that movie in a while. When I worked with him, I actually talked to him about that, that it was just on cable two days before I met him. Mm. And I brought it up to him and told him it was on cable, and he started telling me how Cheech still comes over to his house every Christmas for Christmas dinner. Oh, that's cool. I thought that was awesome. (laughs) Robert Carradine was like the yuppie in it, right? I I think it was Robert Carradine, and then... Who who was the, the chick? Was it Julie Haggerty? I think so. Yeah, yeah, she was like the pretentious artist or something like that. Yeah, 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 I think so. Okay, because I haven't seen that in like two or three years now. And I, mm-hmm. I I never liked it. That's one of those movies I felt the trailer lied to me. I thought I was going to get this wacky stoner comedy, and then I got a, yeah. uh, a, a story about characters that no longer fit into the world and have to decide whether they want to sell their souls to be part of this, and it's like, it was a little more serious than I wanted it to be. Yeah, the- like, I I don't remember that much. I remember watching it when I was a kid because the poster had, had uh, I, I think it was because the poster had Robert Carradine on it, and I was a really big Revenge of the Nerds fan. Well, still am a big Revenge of the Nerds <laughs> fan. Nerd! First two only. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Th- three sucked, and four you know, is unwatchable. I, I think um, I think two was on Comedy Central not too long ago, and I couldn't get into it. It was just too much of a, like... Had you ever uh, seen it before at all? Or was that your first time seeing it, Jared? That was my first time seeing it. You need to see it uncut. You need to see it uncut because two, two does work. I, two is not a bad movie. But I think what really bothered me about the uh, second one was was just the acting in it. It just, you know, uh, it just, I don't know. Um, I thought what, they were good. Bradley Bradley uh, uh, Whitford makes a good... Uh, what, what's what's the bully's name? Nerd! Ogre! Ogre! Ogre. Awesome. Thank you. Donald Gibb, man. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm just saying. You know, here he is going through that entire movie with dialogue, with that, with that gruffy voice, gruffy voice. You know, and it's just, I don't know. It just didn't he's seem... ogre. He's the ogre. <laughs> did Did you make it to the ending, Jared? Oh, yeah, because the ending might explain that for you. Did you make I... it to the ending? Because ogre has a key scene at the end that is very integral to his character's change. Yeah. I think I. Did something about they were in some water? Like well, they get no after off, that. Like, yeah, they get thrown off like a boat. But like, yeah, this is after that. Oh, I guess I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get it that far. Then. Ogre joins Lambda Lambda Lambda, and he gets you know, nerdy glasses taped in the center, and his hair combed back, yeah, and all he that. He gets, he gets in touch with his inner nerddom. <laughs> ogre, yeah, Ogre becomes a nerd. I was real disappointed that he was not in the third one. I really was. He was back in the fourth one, wasn't he? I think just a cameo. But see, I always remember Donald Gibb either as Ogre or from First and Ten, the HBO football series. Or uh Bloodsport. Never seen any of the Bloodsport movies. Really? None of them. Never you been a probably, Van Damme you'd fan. Probably like blood, you'd probably like Bloodsport. Was that back when Van Damme was still good? That was one of his early ones. Uh yeah, that was that was an early that was I think even before Kickboxer. Was that before Cyborg or after Cyborg? You know, I think it might um I think it might have been after Cyborg. I think, because I think it was after. 
Okay, how about Cyborg 2? It was definitely after, like, it was definitely after, like, Black Eagle. How about Cyborg 2? So I've never seen Cyborg 2 with Angelina Jolie. And I was, I remembered loving Cyborg when I was a kid. Yeah. And I watched it again a couple of months ago. I could barely make it through the credits. The movie just, it was terrible. Actually, I actually uh, remember enjoying the second one more than the first one. Because I I never really liked the first one. Because all I know is, I know Van Damme's not in that one, but I know Angelina Jolie is before she was famous. So is Jack Palance. No, he was in everything. Well, yeah. Is there anything Jack Palance wasn't in? (laughs) Batman Returns? Maybe. (laughs) I'm sure there's one frame of him in there somewhere. Oh, crap. I, uh, I showed Jilly in Weird Science for the first time earlier. She'd never seen Weird Science? She'd never seen Weird Science. It, it baffles me some because she's seen a lot. She really has. Without but getting it, too personal, some, I was going to say, without getting too personal, is she around your age? What, what, around what age yeah, is Jillian? Yeah, yeah we're, we're both like the same age. Okay. Um, uh, I, I'm, like a, I'm like a few months older. Um, okay. I, I was just wondering if maybe she hadn't seen it because she's five years younger. I don't know what – I've never met no, Jillian, no, so. No, it, it is like – it just had never. I don't think it ever really come up because I just automatically assumed that she had seen it, or if she had said she hadn't seen it, I might have just forgot. But I don't know why I'd forget that because I love Weird Science. Oh, I, I love. Mean, yeah, the TV series sucked. The movie was great. Oh, uh, the movie is just just it's oh just one of the best tomfoolery movies ever. Bill Paxton uh, owns every scene he's in. Oh yeah, Chet yeah. is just a ama- an amazingly asshole of a character. And you got Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Rustler, Ian and Mad Max. And you got uh, Steven Seagal's wife back before she looked like a plastic surgery disaster. And she's great in that movie. Like, she even, like, dominates all the scenes that she's in. Um, when she whips the gun out on Gary's parents. <laughs> like, she's funny, like, really charismatic in this movie, and really intimidating. Well, and you got um, you got Michael Berryman and uh, oh, his name just fell out of my head from the Vernon Road Warrior. Wells. Vernon Wells as the Road Warrior. I mean, Vernon Wells is basically playing the same character from Road Warrior. Yeah, yeah. And if you people he's, haven't seen the movie, it does make sense in the film how that that happens. Is this your party? Tossed <laughs> off to tossed off to any magazines today? <laughs> How'd you like your friends here to know that you were? Ah, on, on your, your head. head. Yeah, so she hadn't she hadn't seen weird for some reason she hadn't seen weird science. So I'm like, oh my god, I I watched this movie a hundred times when I was a kid. I I still watch this movie all the time. So I I, I popped it in and she yeah, she she loved it. She thought it was great. That's one I need to show my son. Still, I've got this huge stack of movies I have to show my son. Okay, here's a question: How did you first see To Live and Die in L.A.? Uh, I rented it with my dad. Okay, uh, you I just was... proved my point right there. That yeah. is a movie that dads pass on to their sons. I it showed is. I showed my son that. I was talking to Frederick Fritz from the Erase Rewind podcast. He first saw that with his dad. My mm-hmm. I mean it, it, my uncle, he first saw it with his dad. And I am showing it to my son. You first saw it with That's a movie that dads pass on to kids. I agree. I agree with that, because that, that's how I saw it. Uh, we went to the video store. My dad's like, you'll really, really like this one. Because uh, I, I think uh, I think we might have watched, at least within that same year, uh, we watched, like, The French and The French 2 together. Um, 
And then, yeah, we, one time we went to the video store, and one of the ones he picked out was To Live and Die in L.A. Because uh, I saw it with my dad on cable the night it debuted on HBO. My dad had seen it in the theater, and he's like, you'll really like this. Sit and watch this movie. Yeah. And when I showed it to my son, it was again, it was on cable, so I didn't even have to yank out the DVD. It was one of the channels that shows stuff widescreen, too. So yeah. he got to see it to live and die in L.A. proper. And see, here's the funny thing with my son. My son's 18 now. And yeah. my son has problems recognizing actors that are famous for other things. He did not recognize Gil Grissom in that movie. Oh. <laughs> Same thing with uh, Summer School. He cannot see Leroy Jethro Gibbs in Summer School. <laughs> oh, show him the one where he played Ted Bundy. <laughs> yeah, the, the deliberate stranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, th- that's Gibbs. Uh, I, I remember once uh, I was I was wa- I was literally I was watching First Blood on cable one night, and he asked why Horatio was a cop in this. David Caruso. I, I was watching uh, something with Sarah, not long ago, where I pointed Caruso because she didn't reckon it was Twins. We were watching Twins, and uh, he plays the uh, the parking garage attendant who like helps Danny DeVito steal cars. You, you, like, you know what? You know what movie you need to show her for David Crusoe? Hudson Hawk. He is great as Kit Kat. Oh, we we uh, we watched we watched Hudson Hawk. That's uh, Brian's. Brian's a huge, huge, huge uh, Hudson Hawk fan. So we all we all watched Hudson Hawk not too long ago. I saw that seven times in the theater. I didn't see it at the theater. Um, when it hit, when it first came out on video, uh, when it was a new release, uh, my dad and I rented it. Because, yeah, I saw that. It was one summer. Every single night that week, we were bored. So we went every single night in a week to go see Hudson Hawk. It's one of those, like, notorious kind of bad movies that I kind of like all right. I don't think it's that bad. It's got some really funny parts. Uh, Do you want me to rape him? It just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. And people just didn't get (laughs) with that movie that it was meant to be like a live-action cartoon. That's 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 the thing, yeah, yeah. I think that, I I think that was I think that was what threw a lot of people off was it was really sold as like a straight on action film. And well, and it's it's not. To me, one of the biggest problems with that movie is Sandra Bernhard. I've always oh. hated, not disliked her, hated her as an actress, and she chews so much scenery. I'm surprised she didn't put on forty pounds. Yeah, she is the worst part of that movie. I was going to say, Sarah had never seen the movie before. Brian and I uh, had. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Sarah liked it, but, again, all the, the Sandra Bernhardt thing is like, she is she is the worst part of this. The only thing I can think of that I liked her in, well, actually, two things. Uh, Follow That Bird. Also, uh, King of Comedy. What about you, Foyles? What do you think of Hudson Hawk? I haven't really seen a whole lot of stuff with him in it, I don't think. With Bruce Willis? Oh! Hudson Hawk oh, is the name oh, of the movie. Oh, Hudson Hawk is the name of the movie. Starring <laughs> yes. Sorry. I yes. have not seen Hudson Hawk yet. Brad, how have you not shown him Hudson Hawk yet? I just assumed he'd seen it. Kind of like with Jillian and Weird Science. I just assumed she had seen it. Who hasn't seen Weird Science? Exactly. Well, just like what I told you in the first time that we did this... I had just shown my son New Jack City, and he liked it a lot. Now I'm going to show him yeah. Natural Born Killers, because he's never seen that yet. So I'm hoping he likes NBK. Director's yeah. Cut, no less. You know, like like New Jack City, you know, Jared, I know you haven't seen it, but you need to. 
Snipes is awesome in this movie. Oh yeah, New Jack New Jack City is fun. Even Chris Rock. I hate Chris Rock, and he's really damn good in the movie. He is, and I I like Chris Rock's stand up a lot. I haven't liked a lot of movies he was in. Well, you know what my son actually said to me while while we were watching that that yeah. uh, speaking of the the Ice Ice T's role as the undercover cop, he actually yeah. goes, "I could have seen Eddie Murphy doing his part." Weirdly enough, I could too. Oh sure, mm-hmm. I could see Eddie Murphy doing that. The darker Eddie Murphy role. Well, yeah, but I mean, I could see Eddie Murphy having pulled that off in what was that ninety one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have seen ninety one Eddie Murphy doing that. Now, not so much because all he wants to do is wear fat suits and make a fool out of himself. But back when he was a real actor. All right. So, have either of you guys seen Bo- uh, Boris Karloff, Wes Craven's Chiller? That movie from eighty four ish. Oh, oh, chill, chiller. Sorry, I, for some reason I thought you were talking about Shocker. No, I've seen Shocker. I saw that in the theater. No, Chiller with Paul Servino and uh, uh, the guy from Xanadu. What the hell is his name? You know who I'm talking about? Michael Michael Beck. Yes. Did Xanadu? You went with Xanadu, not Warriors. Sorry, that was the first <laughs> thing that entered my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know Paul Sorvino from William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember him most from Law and Order or the or Goodfellas. <laughs> but have you ever seen that? Um, you know, I don't think I have. I don't think I have. Because I just picked that up on a ninety-nine cent double feature with the Wings Hauser's Mutant. I like Mutant. I actually really liked Mutant. That I haven't seen that one either. So I have not seen either one of these. On this I'm double feature, what, mutant is uh, Wingshauser is the lead in it, and in the first ten or so minutes, it had me kind of nervous because I knew the plot of the movie. I read the synopsis. It's that there's these two friends, and I think they're on vacation or something, and one of them ends up going missing, and the other friend is spending the movie trying to find out what what happened to them. And of course, with the title, you know, it has to do with this mutant, and and so. In the first ten minutes, the Wings Hauser character is is kind of very much like the partier, the womanizer, uh, you know. The, so, so you're saying he's playing Wings Hauser? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, because of that, because of that, I'm like, oh no, I'm afraid Wings Hauser is going to be the one who gets kidnapped because the other guy is like the very much like straight laced guy. And but then no, the 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 the, the calm like. Straight and arrow guy is the one who gets kidnapped, and Wings Hauser is is trying to spends the movie trying to figure out what happened to him. And I'm like, yes, I was I was like, yes, sweet, it's Wings Hauser's movie. Yes, because well, like I said, I have not seen either one. Ninety nine cents for a double feature of that. How how nice. could I not do that? Fifty cents for each movie. Yeah, I'm not passing that up. The only thing I didn't like was they're both on one DVD, not even a flipper. So they're compressed to sh- to be so able to fit the it, two movies on one side of a DVD. I would I would prefer it be like that than it be like side A and side B because that was always something that that I never liked was if there was a side A and a side B because I, you know maybe it's me being nitpicky or whatever. I really liked you know opening up a DVD and seeing a picture on the DVD or seeing some artwork on the on the disc itself. A picture on the disc itself, artwork on the disc itself. You know, I like that. And then when you flip it open and it's like dual layered, side A, side B, it's like, ah, pfft, looks cheap. 
a bootleg looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I agree with that. I agree with that. Oh, I also uh, a friend a friend of ours, James from VHS Wasteland. Oh yes. Uh, do you go there often? I do. I love that website. I'm telling the audience, VHSWasteland.com. It's updated daily, and if you guys are looking for VHS covers or reviews of old VHS movies, trailers, etc., VHS Wasteland. Mm-hmm. I just recently added a, a friend link to him on my webpage because oh, I, I go to, I go to his website all the time. It's awesome. It is, yeah. Especially if you guys are like us. If they're listening to this show, they're they're of the same mindset. Yeah, of the of the same mindset. And you hear a name called VHS Wasteland, and it immediately piques your interest. You know, you'll 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 love this. You'll love this. We're getting close to running out of time here. So I wanted to say to you and Jared, plug away, buckos. What do I have to plug? Oh, oh, uh, if you get a chance, uh, uh, go to my site and check out, I did a, a little mockumentary called uh, The Ballad of El Topo Chico. And I don't know how many hits it, it got, but it was I've never really done a mockumentary or anything before. So I, I liked how it turned out. So, so go, go check out that video. It's at thecinemasnob.com under uh, conventions. Okay, foils, go. And while you're there wa- uh, looking at that video, check out the videos I made. I've got inter- uh, celebrity interviews with the likes of Mimi Rogers, Linnea Quigley, uh, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart, uh, uh, Lou Gossett Jr., Vivica Fox. The list just goes on. I've got like seven or eight of them up there. And I've also got some fun uh, some fun coverage videos of uh, all three days of the uh, conventions. I wanted to punch you when I saw the, the Linnea Quigley video. How did you forget her name, Foils? It, you know what? It was a long weekend. I had been working really hard. and I <laughs> But it's Linnea Quigley! You got what? what's her name's name wrong. It was in yeah. hostile. Yeah. I, Barbara Nedeljakova. I, I you called her Pamela. <laughs> I called her Ooh. Pamela like, twice toward the end of the interview. Ow. Did she correct you? I haven't seen that one No, yet. she didn't. That was the funny part. She probably just wanted you to leave. <laughs> get this over Probably. with and get him away from me. So, me, 1201beyond.blogspot.com, and help me get to Horror Hound so I can hang out with these guys and bring you guys a whole bunch of interviews. And we've got professional equipment. We've got a, I think it's Hank's camera, is like a $7,000 camera, professional mics, and we're probably going to be dueling with Jared to try and get to the same celebrities. Huh, Foils? Indeed. Indeed. So well, he- help well, us my get. My operation is way more efficient because it's a one-man uh, band. My operation's more efficient because my guy knows all these people and has their home phone numbers. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> so ha. <laughs> so. <laughs> help! Help me get to Horror Hound. All right, this has been episode thirty-five. Let's hope you actually hear this episode, and if you've listened to the beginning of this, you know why. So I'm saying good night. Good night.
Chama a soul. 